It's a Minimalist Monday edition of Optimal Living Daily, episode 871, Most Emergencies Aren't, and Right Here, Right Now, both by Joshua Fields Milburn of theminimalist.com, and I'm Justin Mollick, your personal narrator, reading to you every day, just like an audiobook, but free of charge. Mostly from blogs, but sometimes from books, and always with permission from the websites. That's very important, otherwise it would be copyright infringement, and The Minimalists were the first authors I got permission from, fun fact. For now, let's get right to today's two posts as we optimize your life. Most Emergencies Aren't by Joshua Fields Milburn of theminimalists.com. A few years ago, after chucking my television and jettisoning home internet, I locked my cell phone in a drawer for a few months. Boy, oh boy, did I learn a lot about my lonely, distracted self after removing those pacifiers from my reach. Smartphone problems. Addiction. I was addicted to my smartphone, constantly twitching for the next important email, viral video, or Facebook message, ignoring the world in front of me for a universe of zeros and ones. Disconnection. Our technology is wonderful. It has enabled us to connect with the infinite expanse of this world, but has also given us a weapon to sever our deepest connections. True, we can tweet with folks on other continents, I've met most of my closest friends online, but in doing so, we sometimes isolate ourselves from the person sitting across from us. Dependency. Like a child's security blanket, I needed my phone to feel safe, calm, whole, and like that child, when I lost it, I lost it. Panic struck each time my hand involuntarily breached the pocket where the device normally waited for me. Impulsivity. The opposite of intention is impulse, which accurately described my former relationship with my smartphone. I acted primarily on impulse. I was reacting to what my phone instructed me to do. I wasn't using the phone, it was using me. Urgency. My cell phone came equipped with a false sense of urgency, which helped me construct a facade of spurious self-importance. Of course I needed my phone on me at all times because I'm so important that, you know, what if someone needs to get a hold of me right now? In reality, that's nearly never the case because most emergencies aren't emergencies. Truth be told, I am an outstanding friend, but if you have a real emergency, I'm not the best guy to call. If your water heater breaks, call a plumber. A burglar strikes, call the police. Someone gets injured, call 911. Once the professionals have quashed the crisis, leave me a voicemail. I'll be there soon to help pick up the pieces. Smartphone solutions. When eventually reintroduced a cell phone into my everyday life, I realized a phone was never the problem. I was. So I developed a framework to help solve that problem. Today, while I'm not perfect, I do my best to use my smartphone intentionally. Distractions. Email and Facebook no longer reside on my device, nor does anything else I perceive as a waste of time. And apps I haven't used in the last month are deleted too. Interruptions. Notifications, both visual and auditory, do not exist on my phone. No banners, sounds, or alerts of any kind. I don't need to be notified, read interrupted, every time someone double taps a photo on Instagram. Barriers. In the presence of friends, I leave the phone in the car or at home because I've realized when we place our phones on a table in front of us, we send a subtle message to our loved ones. You're important only until something more important interrupts us. Removing the phone, however, 
removes an invisible barrier from our interactions and shows the people we care about that we do, in fact, care about them. Tethers. At home, my phone has its own home, docked on a charging stand. I use it only in that location when I'm home, allowing me to otherwise untether from the device, which helps me tether myself to more important tasks, writing, reading, sleeping. Tools. The phone is a valuable tool, but only if it adds value to our lives. Nowadays, I use the phone for texts, phone calls, music, podcasts, audiobooks, GPS, and anything that truly serves a purpose. Uber, hotel and flight apps, a notepad, the dictionary app, and the glorious Kindle app, which is now located in the spot formerly occupied by the Facebook app. Now, when I feel that twitch, I automatically focus on something worthwhile, reading a book instead of getting lost in the Bermuda Triangle of likes, notifications, and status updates. Nevers. And of course, as a reform man, there are a few things I'll never do with my phone. I'll never text and drive again. I'll never reach for my phone while standing at a urinal again. And I'll never use my phone in bed again, because the bed is meant for two things, neither of which involves call logs or text messages. We're all fighting our own battles with technological inundation. Look up from your device and you'll see a sea of lonely people lost in the tantalizing glow of their screens, trading intention for impulse. Our wonderful gadgets have given us access to overwhelming convenience, but if we squander that convenience, we'll find ourselves crushed by the weight of our impulses, searching pixels for meaning when there are countless reasons to live on this side of the screen. Yes, technology has undoubtedly made our lives better, so much so we wouldn't want to live without it. So we must find ways to live with it. Right here, right now by Joshua Fields Milburn of TheMinimalists.com. We all know, at least intellectually, that we will benefit from truly living in the moment. And yet too often, we peer forward, planning for some distant hypothetical future, attempting to frame a contingency for every possible scenario, organizing our lives around what might be. Either that or we're scrutinizing our history, relishing or loathing the past, living for a time that once was. I noticed the former, the incessant looking forward in some of my friends, and I often observe the latter looking backwards in myself. To be fair, I notice both traits in everyone. Neither is conducive for an ideal life. With the people I love, we may be eating dinner, enjoying a concert, or just spending time together, and all the moment seems perfect, it can be tainted with the suggestion of, let's do this again, looking forward as if now is not enough, as if we must plan, we must have more, This seems to be part of the human experience. No matter how great things are, it's never enough. We always want more. Similarly, when I am personally comparing the present to the past, whenever I'm more concerned with what has happened than what is happening, this moment loses its beauty, its power, its virility. I've noticed, however, that there's at least one occasion in which this doesn't happen, when I'm driving alone in my car. Whenever I'm behind the wheel, I avoid both temptations. Instinctually, I know I have to keep my eyes on the road and deal with whatever is on the other side of the windshield, here and now. If I daydream too long, staring off into the horizon, or if I glue my eyes to the rearview mirror, taking in the scenery I've already passed, I'm going to crash. Sure, it's fine to occasionally glance at the road behind us, just as it's ideal to see what's on the horizon from time to time, but we benefit most from negotiating the open road, everything that's directly in front of us, right here, right now. 
As it happens, we don't need more than this. You just listened to the post titled, Most Emergencies Aren't, and Right Here, Right Now, both by Joshua Fields Milburn of theminimalist.com. And that's all I've got. Let's keep this ending super minimal for Minimalist Monday. Have a great start to your week and I'll see you tomorrow where your optimal life awaits.